Keith, in the 20 years I've been, I've been doing this, I don't think anybody's ever prayed that I would say it right. Or, <laughs> but I appreciate what you meant. That's true. I'm just praying I can spit it out. That's, that's my prayer. How are y'all doing? Did you miss me? A little bit? Oh, gosh. Well, I miss you people. Some of you. Just push them up. Good job, Samantha. Hey, I've got two words, three words to say to you right now. Happy New Year. And you're supposed to say back to me? Happy New Year. Try it again? That's just being polite, people. That's like being, being nice. What is it that we do at the beginning of every year? Americans do it a lot. Maybe around the world, I don't know. Uh, but they make something called a New Year's resolution. resolution. Anybody here make a New Year's resolution for this year? We've got one out of 53, two out of 53. Okay, wow, not many have made any. Have you ever made one before? Okay, so we had, you're not the age. A lot of time adults do it. They're... Um, there's a top seven from this pa- this past year. I want to see if y'all can guess what the top seven were. And um, so, does anybody want to guess the top? You just name one of them. What do you think one one of them is? To, to lose weight. That is number one. Okay, number one. Go ahead. Eat healthy. Eat healthy and exercise. We're both in the same one. That is number five. Anybody else? We got we got five more. Keith. Go to church. Go to church is not on the list. Ooh, I'm going to smack some people. But they do tend to show up a lot more when the New Year starts. Church gets full again. Make more money. And this is, um, this one was three. It was to save more and spend less. So so they're wanting to, to get more and do better with their, with their money. So that's three. Anybody else? Your hand up. No. Anybody? No one else has any idea? Thinking hard. Be nicer. That's what you need to work on. Is that is that what you're saying? Oh, no, I'm kidding. Um, that wasn't on the list of top seven. There was get or organized was one of them. Enjoy life to the fullest is one. So y'all have not hit adulthood when life really. You think it's tough now? It ain't tough now. Just wait. But it's good. It's sweet. It's great. Now there are also six was this one. This was sort of weird. Learn something exciting. This must be older adults. They're like, oh, what's my New Year's resolution? So they want to do something new and exciting. And a big one, um, which was seventh on the list, I thought it would be much higher or lower or wherever you put that, would be to quit smoking. Right? So, so out of Americans, 45% of all Americans each year make a New Year's resolution. 45%. That's almost... Very good. Just want to see if y'all knew what that was. Almost half. What percentage of them are successful with their New Year's resolution? What percentage? I'm going to give, give, give you a choice of five. 8 8%, 18%, 28%, 38%, 88%. 8%. Who thinks it is 8%? Raise your left hand. Everybody's like, oh gosh, which one is it? Okay, who thinks it's 18%? Who thinks it's 28%, 38%, 88%? The answer is 8%. 8% of all of them that make them achieve their goal. Now, that's pretty weak, right? 
Do you think that's weak? Yeah. You know, the, for Americans that don't make a goal, that don't make one, because my wife did, this year said, I'm not going to make a New Year's resolution. I said, well, fine, do that way. Then there's a lot that, that don't don't make one. I don't think I made one, so I'm not going to die. I'm not bad. Um, but there's, for those that don't make them, but they still maybe want to lose weight or they want to eat better, they want to do one of the seven things, only 1% of them through that year will achieve their goal if they don't make a goal at all. Does that make sense? So does it pay off to at least make one if you sort of think, man, I want to straighten this out in my life? It does, but it maybe doesn't work out that well. We're going to talk about a guy who's got an awesome name, Daniel. He's in the book of Daniel, and the book of Daniel was written by Daniel. Very good, okay? So if you can, turn there for a second with me. Are we like are we like hurting? Do we need to play a quick game of freeze tag in here? That'd be weird. No, we're not playing freeze tag. Everybody stand up. Stand up for me. We're not going to, don't worry, don't worry. Stand up, everybody. Raise your hands all the way up. Go to the side. Spin. Alright, sit down. <laughs> Wrestlers have arrived. Hey, did we win? Yes. Yes, yes go Yuli. Yes. So, um, the theme for the next few few weeks is, is have y'all heard the song by the, the Newsboys, I Want to Live with Abandon? Have y'all heard that song? Okay, it's a fantastic song. I run, when I run and, and work out and stuff, I've just got praise songs. That's all I've played for three years since I've been on a running kick. And uh, this song is now on my loop of 47 songs. So every fifth day I hit it again or so. So, And I love this song. And I'm not going to play it. We don't have time. But it talks about I want to live with abandon. Do you all know what that means? What does it mean if I say to live with abandon? What does that mean? Dude, you need to live with abandon. Let me help you out. Go all out. With everything you've got, go all out. Go for it. Have you ever gone for it before in your life where you think, oh, this could flop or this could go great? Have you ever done that before? Turn to page, I don't know what page, the book of Daniel chapter 1. And we're not going to read it all. It's a long story. But we're going to talk about living with abandon. This is week one. And take a look at this. In verses 1 through 5, the Babylonians have conquered Israel. Israel does not exist. And they take and they dispersed all the Jews around the known world at the time. Daniel is one of those Jews that's been left his homeland, been taken away from it. He's been away from it for like 18 years, 16 years. He's only 15, so it was before he was born. He was his his, his parents were, were were moved away, and they've sort of been enslaved this whole time. We come and see the story where where the king takes all the young men and he brings them back to the main city. And this is what he's doing. He's going to take the he's taking the best of the best men, and he's wanting to take them, and he's wanting to feed them, to train them, to teach them, and to pour into them. What he's trying to do is this: he's trying to take these young men who had been raised as Jews and raise them now as Babylonians. And he's doing this so that they can now serve them and help the empire and not be Jews. So he's he's going to feed them their food, the best food. He's going to they're going to work out. They're 
They're going to be taught by the best guys. Not so that these Jews can be great Jews, but so that they can now be sort of sort of sucked into this new empire. This is in verses 1 through 5. So, in verse 6, it says their names. But let me tell you this first. The Jews of that day, who here has memorized a verse of Scripture before in your life? One verse. Okay. Perfect. You're a lot like these guys. At the age of 11 or 12, a, a, a Jewish young man would um, learn and know by heart the Torah. The Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. In my, my Bible, that is page goes up to page 177. So it's about that much of it. Okay, by, by 12, they'd know this by heart. Is that impressive to y'all? Yeah. Are you, are, are you, think, you, you say to yourself, ain't no way I can do that. There ain't no way, right? So th- these guys had been taught the Word of God. They understood the laws of God. They understood the truth. All Jewish boys were taught this. It wasn't just these, these few we're going to talk about. They all were taught this. Um, Verse 6, it says this. Among these, and it says their names were Dan, 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 Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. Okay, so we see four guys that are named here. And in verse 7, we see them give them a different name. And the names they give them are um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Have y'all heard those names before? Okay, these are the three, but their first, their Jewish names are Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They've been changed to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Their old names, their Jewish names, were names that gave God honor. They talked about God and said, God is my judge. I will serve God. I will follow God. Their new names took on the form of, uh, I will, I am a servant of Nebo is one of the, Abednego is I am a servant of Nebo, which is a small G God, not a real God, but one that the Babylonians would worship. So they took their names and even changed their names because they wanted to take all Jewishness, all of God that was in them, they wanted to take them out. They wanted to brainwash them and train them as their own. So that's why they gave them new names. Now, these guys were 15 or 16 at the time. These young men. Who here is over the age of 15? Okay, y'all should be able to relate real well. They're your age or a little less than your age at this point. And we come to verse 8. Because this is, y'all are hurting tonight and I am, I am not an eloquent speaker. I know I don't want you to miss this. Please do not miss what verse we're about to read because this verse is huge because you live in a world a lot lot like of what these guys are in. And you're going to see it as we go through it. And if you don't, you'll understand in a second. Verse 8, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. I don't don't know about y'all, but I like to eat. Who here likes to eat? Okay, oh, amen. I like y'all people. Okay, now who here likes to eat good food? Anybody? No, Kara here is a guest, and she got to go to the loop today. First time ever. Anybody here like the loop? 
Some of you don't. Ooh. Joe, we need to talk, son. What's wrong with you, boy? Thought you could eat, man. So, so they are given the choice of the king's food, the best food. For some of you, for me, the loop. Mm, good stuff. So why would he not want to eat the food? Well, we just said before, he was raised as a Jew, and as a Jewish boy, they would know, know by heart the first five books of the Bible. And because he was a Jew, he would understand that the king's food was food that was sac- sacrificed to the small gods, the Nebo and the Babel and, and Baal and Mizra and all these weird names. In that, as a Jew, in the book of Le- Leviticus 12 and also in chapter 20, it talks that you are forbidden to eat food sacrificed to idols. For a Jew, it'll, it'll make you unclean and it's a sin against God. Daniel and his friends knew this. Um, and so he wasn't going to do it. He's in a spot where he's enslaved. He doesn't have a whole lot of choices. But he says this. He, it says in verse 8, read this again. But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself. What does it mean to resolve? I'm not going to ask for you to, to spit it out to me because y'all aren't saying anything tonight. Resolve is this. Because we think, does that mean to make up your mind? Because I don't know about you, but I've made up my mind plenty, plenty of times and it flipped right back. I'm, oh yeah, this is the way I'm going to be. Whether I've been to a camp where God said, I need to do this. I've been like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And I've gone to do it. And when I got to where I was supposed to do it, I didn't. Y'all probably aren't like me. Y'all are probably perfect. Y'all, y'all, y'all have never done that before. But, but I have where I've sort of flip-flopped. But there's something about making up your mind and being resolved, which are two completely different things. Resolved is this. You set your course that way and you're not going to turn to left or right. You're going to go. You don't care what the cost is. Now let me share with you a couple of times in my life that I've been resolved. And it's not been very often and I wish it had been more. And this year it needs to be more. There are things that God calls me to do, whether it's to, there's a guy at the loop named John who I've just gotten um, in just to share my faith just in a small way. And there's opportunities that I have to speak to him and I just don't take every one of them. I'm just not, I'm not, I, I, my mind's made up, my heart wants to do it, but I'm just not getting there, and I've, I've, I've got to be resolved to do it. Here's some times when I've been resolved in my life. Don't freak out, I stutter. Do you right? Okay. I stutter. I've done this all my life since I was like five, and I swore most of my life I would just be a chef, so I should work behind and not have to talk too much, you know, or I would, I would be like a physical therapist where you wouldn't have to talk to a whole lot you just but I wasn't good at science and I can't cook so those things were out of of the way and God called me to be a pastor a youth pastor and I said God I'll do it but I'm not going to speak in front of uh, people now it's impossible and God told me that's impossible I've called you to do it I made your mouth the way it is you need to, to do what I say and that day I resolved myself when God called me to speak in front of a crowd and I'll be straight I love to be able to teach you the Word of God. I love what I do, but I hate having to get up and speak. Still to this day, there's a part of me that's like, but I've resolved myself that it's what God has called me to do, so I'm going to do it. It may not be something that I like, but I'm going to do it, so I resolve myself. Three years after I first began to, to say, okay, God, that's what I'll do with my life, I'd been dating this girl, this fine woman, for about a year and a half. We went to 
Africa for the summer. She went with the team, and I went with the team. We were there. We split up for like two and a half months, and I didn't see her. And I wasn't sure um, how it was going. But then our teams met up about a week before we came back to the States. And I remember when her car, her, they said, hey, their car's here. And we had already been in the place for about a day. And I saw her like across the field. There were butterflies and, and lilies and stuff. And she looked at me across the way. Our eyes met. She was like a mile and a half away. But, you know, I was good looking. And, um, and she came running. And at that point, I knew that's the girl I'm going to ask to marry me. I didn't know what she would say. I thought I knew, but I wasn't for sure. We'd never spoke about it. And I resolved, I'm going after her. Mm-mm. I, I talked to her dad on the phone who lived in Venezuela or Argentina at the time. Which place? One of those places, South America. I met him once at a dinner for like eight minutes. So I'm calling him up to ask if I can ask his daughter to be my wife. He, and the conversation, to shorten it up, he says, uh, have you talked to her about this? I said, no, sir. I want to talk to you first. Do the right thing. He says, uh, she's probably going to say no. That's what he said to me. No, no lie. And he meant it. He said, you know, she can sort of, she didn't know it. She's, she might flirt and she didn't know it. And I thought, oh, she's talked to her dad about me. Going, ah, this is goddamn, but he's not the one. That's what I'm thinking in my head. And so he, so he said, hey, hey, just ask her and give me a call and let me know how it goes. And he goes, well, if she says no, don't give me a call back because that will be weird. So he said, so it was very nice to talk to you. I hope you have a, a good life. That's the end of the conversation. But I was resolved. So it took me about a day to pick myself up. Two days passed, and I asked her to be my wife. She said yes, and I stuck my tongue at her dad. Uh, you know, I didn't do that. But anyways, I was resolved that she was going to be my wife. There's a, a few more times in life. One of, for me, a time was uh, three years ago, 2011. Yes, gosh, 2014, 2011. Uh, some of y'all who knew me when I first came, I weighed a little bit more than I do now. Yep. And uh, thank you, Keith. I, was, I knew you would, you would clarify that. And I got in a challenge with a cousin and my sister to lose weight. Really, my goal inside was going to be, I want to be less than 200 pounds before I turn 40. And my wife will tell you, she didn't know what occurred. She thought I was a freak. I would, if y'all ever went to the law, Losser's house for small group. Y'all know that was the stinking best food in the world. And that was in the time I was in this kick. I wasn't eating anything. And y'all would like, y'all fat fatties would be eating down and I'd be like, no, I'm good. I'll have a pretzel. You know, horrible. But I'd resolve myself going, you know what? If I'm going to lose the weight, this is going to be, I'd only been 230 something pounds for like 16 years in a row. I mean, you know, and so I'd resolve myself, and I, I and I did it. My point is this: not saying, "Look how great Dan is," because there's many times I've not really resolved myself. I said, "Man, that's a good thing to do," but I've not gotten there yet. I've not not gotten there. So let's look here in verse nine. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, "I fear my lord the king, who assigned your food and your drink. For why should he see that you are in worse condition than the youths who are your own age? So you would in." Endanger my head with the king. Verse 11. Then Daniel said to the steward whom the chief of the youths had assigned, assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Test your servant for ten days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. So he tests them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, he sees that they are better off. They're in better shape than the guys who have the king's food. 
So this chief, the king doesn't know this, but this chief of them says, okay, we'll keep this up. And so for three years, that's what they eat. They, they do not eat the king's food at all. And it comes to a point where they come before the king. Now, let me share this because we'll get to the end of the story in a second. In the story, there's really two groups of people that are, are the main groups. There's... Um, because there's a big group of Jews that have been brought over, of boys that have been brought over. But we only hear about four of them that don't eat the king's food. They've all been trained, so they all know the law and the, the truth of God's word. But only four of them are obeying the word of God. Only four of them are not eating the, the, the king's food. Just like the story in this room, there are two, two, two groups. For what I'm going to speak about, there are two groups. There's the group that's just going to keep doing what everybody else is doing. And you're just going to make it safe. It's safe. I'm just going to do what I've been doing. It's safe. It's what I know. And it's easy. It's easy to be in that group, what everybody else is doing. No one will call you out. No one will mock you. You won't be alone. You'll be in the crowd. Um... They won't be on your case. That's the first group. And the, the next group we see in the story is the small group who obeys the word of God, who knows the law, and they obey it even where, where it may cost them. It could cost them their life. And um, in this room, there's only a small group that's, that the odds are, and I, I would say, man, I hope I'm wrong, the odds are there's only a small group that's going to know the word of God and make a stand for it. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're called, you're called to know it and to stand for it. You're called to be in that group, and it may be a small group to stand and say, I'm going to live for Christ with everything I have. But you've got to have resolve. You don't make up your mind. I don't know about you, but even as an older teenager, uh, I would go to camp. I'd say, God, I'm going to live for you this way. Nothing's going to change it. I would be crying, and, man, I'm never going to go back there. And two weeks have passed or three weeks have passed. And I'm back there. Have you ever felt that way? I think most of us can get to. And you go, man, I want to have resolve. And there's two things that you can do, I think, to have resolve in your life. This is the first one. The faith in God that these guys had, Daniel and his friends, it wasn't their parents' faith. It wasn't their friends' faith. It wasn't the cool faith to have. It was their own faith. Their belief in God. And some of you in this room right now, you come to church because your parents come to church. And that's not necessarily by itself a bad thing at this point. But there's a point where you're coming to church and you've got to decide the God who my parents worship each week, is that who I am really going to worship? Not because they go or what they say, but because I, I believe it. That's what I'm going to invest my life in. Their faith in God had become their, their faith. That, that It was their own faith. God is calling you, each one of us, I believe in this room, to take this thing called faith and grab it on your own. Don't rely on your parents. Don't rely on your friends. Don't rely on a girlfriend or boyfriend, especially because that's going to be a wreck. We don't flirt to convert. That's, that's an, amen, right? Amen? Okay, good. Thank you. So this faith had become their, their own faith. You know, they say that um, men in, ba- in battle, in war, I've, I've, I've just watched some, some things about it. And when they're in battle the first time, they're scared to death. A lot of times they can't even move. Bullets are flying, whatever, and they're just sort of trapped. 
And there comes a point when they resolve in themselves, I can't sit here any longer. I've got to do something. And they start to move around and shoot back and fight back. And we have been living a life where we just stay, but you don't understand. They're going to make fun of me. It's not going to go well. I won't know what to say. I'm going to mess it all up, God. In my head, I hear God. I hear not God saying, but I hear a voice when I'm supposed to, to talk about Christ or bring his name up. I hear this voice saying, don't talk about them. You can't talk worth a flip. They're going to think you're a freak and really freaking you're going to mess it up and they'll never come to God because they'll think some freak tried to talk to them about God. That's what hits in my head. And there's a point where you've got to go, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. But you can only do it if it's your own faith. Um, one of my favorite quotes is from camp a year and a half ago. Do you all know what that quote is from a little green guy? Name Yoda. Do or do not, there is no try. First thing on resolve is you've got to you you've got to have your own faith. You're not gonna have any resolve at all without without that faith in God going, Yeah, this is what I believe. The second thing is uh, the point to have resolve is to quit trying and start start doing. Quit try I'll try. You know, and, you know, <clears throat> This is what um, what I thought about when I thought about this. You know, the the weakest phrase I've, I've heard in the, the twenty years or whatever I've I've done this from a youth about life is, "Well, I, I tried that," and you go, "What? Well, I tried to live for God. I tried to break up with that girl I knew I shouldn't be dating, but I just I can't." I tried not to go to that that party, but then I was just going to go and look out for everybody. But then I tried not to have that drink, and then it just happened. I tried to read my Bible for two days in a row, but Netflix and whatever. It's just, you don't understand the pressure. I tried to talk to my friends about God, but... Um, I, you know, I, I tried to obey my parents, but the rules were too strict. You don't understand. They said I had to go to bed by 12 or 2. We need to quit trying and start doing. You know what the Word of God says. I could yell at you. I could throw stuff at you. Sometimes I want to in love. Maybe not in love all the time. But you know what it says. Do it. And you know, well, I want to. Well, make sure this faith in God is your own. And quit trying to start doing. Decide, this is what I'm going to do with my life. James 1.22 says, But be a doer of the word, not a hearer only, and so deceive yourself. A doer of the word. Not just good things of what the word of God says. Be a doer. Uh, live it out. Uh, I can't help but, but think about Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I think it's, Trust the Lord with all your heart and lead not in your own understanding. In all your ways you acknowledge Him, and He, God, will make your path straight. I want to be a doer of the word. Um, do, doing it. After three time, after three years in the story here, when Daniel and his friends stood before the king, they were found to be ten times wiser than anybody in the kingdom and healthier than anybody in the kingdom. But they had sought after God. They had had resolve. When I think of someone who lived with abandon, Daniel is a guy that lives with it in amazing ways. And, and you can read more. I challenge you, if you go, well, I don't know where to read in my Bible. Read the first 
six chapters of Daniel and see this, this man who said, you know what, I know what they say I'm supposed to do, but I'm going to live for God no matter what it costs me. And he changed the world around him because he, he chose, chose to follow God. You know, he was forced to live in a world that was against God. And can I tell you this, everybody in this room, you are living in a world that's against God. Plain and simple. Uh, it's, it's getting worse. Uh, most teen, teenagers who claim to follow Christ, you know them. Uh, they they strat, straddle the fence quite a bit on, yeah, I'm living for God. Yeah, um, I'll get back to that. You know, I've just got, the pull is too hard. I'm just trying to fit in. And they straddle. Uh, let me remind you of a couple of truths in the Word of God. First Corinthians 6 says this. It says, flee from sexual immorality. It's not, it's not a, um, you may want to flee from sexual immorality or life will get tough. It says flee, flee from it. If that's a part of, of your life, you're called to flee from it. You need to have resolve to go. That's what the Word of God says. This is my faith. I'm not going to try. That's what I'm going to do. It says to, in Exodus 20, it says, you shall have no other gods than me or before me. And, and uh, there's things that get in our life between us and God. Whatever it is, if you can think right now going, yeah, you know what? Um, money is a God. Sports might be a God. Uh, TV or movies, that could be a God. If it's between you and God, there's a point you need to resolve yourself and say, oh, you know what? My faith is in God. I'm going to quit trying. I'm going to start doing. I'm going to walk away from that. It says to honor your mother and father. Quit trying. Start doing. Um, in James 3, it talks about your speech. How in the same mouth can come out blessings and cursings? How can things come out that you say, yes, I, pra- I praise God. And then you, you, you cut on somebody, you're mean to somebody, you cuss them out. Or you're just throwing words around. Quit trying, start doing. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6 also says you've been bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. What you wear, what you put on. How others view you, you're responsible for. Do you understand the Word of God says that? Girls, be modest. God has got a plan for you. Be modest. Resolve. In order to live with abandon, you've got to have resolve. If you don't have resolve, you can't even take the first step to live with it. My hope is that, man, as y'all have school this week and next week, right now you're thinking of something in your life. You're going, you know what? I need, that's what I need to resolve, that I'm, I'm not going to eat the king's food. In my life, that's the king's food, and I'm not going to do it. And you resolve it, and you, and you find a close friend. If you're a girl, find a girl. If you're a guy, find a guy. And you tell him, hey, this is what God's saying. I need to walk this way with. Can you help keep me accountable? Man, we need to do that. Next two weeks, um, we're going to be talking pro- 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 probably more about living with abandon. And uh, y'all just look so depressed tonight. I love you. I'm glad that you came. And we're going to hit on this more. So I hope you come back. I hope you, you, you hear what I say, and I hope I can get out of the way, um, and you can just hear what sort of God has to say. L- let's pray, and we're going to be um, dismissed tonight. Dear God, I thank you so much for tonight. I thank you for your word, your truth. 
I thank you for um, a man of God we, we, we read about who even as a teenager resolved. He made up his mind. Lord, that word doesn't even exist in our world today. Very rarely does someone resolve to do something. And Lord, may we understand what it means and may we take it and practice it in our life. For that even one thing that students and adults in this room are thinking about. Lord, may we be committed to you to not try but to do. May our faith in you be our own faith, not based on our friends, on our parents, but be based on our relationship with you. I thank you for the gift of your son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.